ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Why has it always come to money? Um, why not? I mean, everything you got on costs money. Everything you do costs money. You can't take your wife on a date for free. That's former Forbes Sporting Rich List winner, boxer Floyd Money Mayweather. He's speaking about the importance of getting paid. The good news for athletes is there has never been more cash in sport. According to this year's list, the top 10 have made US $1.1 billion in the last year as Middle Eastern funding floods into all kinds of sport. So who are these athletes? How much are they each pulling in? Are there any women? Who's the best paid Australian? And what does the spending tell us about where sport is going? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. So if you haven't seen it yet, the Forbes Sporting Top 10 Rich List goes like this. Oh, and all the numbers are in US dollars. At 10, Phoenix Suns basketballer Kevin Durant with 89 million. Nine is Roger Federer with 95 mil, which came almost entirely off court. Eight is NBA star Steph Curry with 100 mil. Golfer Phil Mickelson is enjoying that live cash with 106. Number six is fellow Rebel golfer Dustin Johnson with 107 mil. Boxer Canelo Alvarez lands in the top five with 110 mil. LeBron James might be the king of hoops, but he's number four overall with 119.5 mil. French football star Kylian Mbappe edged him out with 120 million. He's just 24 years old, by the way. My days. Number two, fresh off a World Cup triumph, was Lionel Messi. A lazy $130 there. And top of the pile, in a year where he was spurned by his coaches at international and club level. Ronaldo! With $136 million. Brett Knight has compiled Forbes' list of the world's 10 highest-paid athletes. And, Brett, before we get into the nitty-gritty, can you just help us understand the parameters you set to compile the list and tell us how Forbes gets its hands on the numbers? Sure. So the Forbes list is a little bit different from some of the other earnings lists you'll see out there because we use both on-field earnings, so stuff like playing salaries, bonuses, prize money, as well as off-field earnings from things like endorsement deals or appearance fees, memorabilia and licensing income. Also, some athletes who run their own businesses, they may have an entertainment company, say a sports drink company, and and so we're, we're counting cash that they receive from that as well. Our list includes any athlete who has competed over the last 12 months. So you will see occasionally a guy like say Roger Federer on our list who retired over the last year but did compete in that window. It's been a wonderful day. I told the guys I'm happy. I'm not sad. So it feels great to be here. And uh, I enjoyed uh, tying my shoes one more time and uh, everything was the last time. He still counts for the list. Going forward, he won't. And in terms of how we get these numbers, we're lucky in the U.S. that a lot of our domestic leagues, the the numbers are pretty widely available and what they make on the field. Prize money in, in terms of golf and tennis is pretty widely available. But the overseas playing contracts and the endorsement stuff, that's really just done through conversation with industry in, insiders. So I can tell you that every year we we publish a list of the top 50 highest paid athletes and the number of interviews is way beyond 50. There's There's dozens and dozens of industry insiders that we talk to to compile this list. So 
In some cases, the, those are the representatives of the athletes themselves. And in other cases, people who work throughout the industry, you know, brokering deals, representing brands, representing other athletes uh, who didn't make the list. So, you know, we do our best to, uh, to drill down and find out what, what everyone's making. Ronaldo at number one is so interesting because he's probably at his lowest ebb from an on-field perspective, arguably since he started. How is he drawing such significant windfalls? Ronaldo for years has been just as potent an earner off the field as on the field. He's the most followed athlete in the world on social media. He's got, you know, 850 million followers across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hi, New York. What's up, Times Square? Up here, look up on the billboards. It's me, Cristiano Ronaldo. And that makes him extremely attractive to brands. Uh, every, everyone is lining up to, to partner with him and, and to pay him millions of dollars to do so. He also benefited this year from his move to Saudi Arabia with, with Al Nasser. You know, our best estimates are that he roughly doubled his playing salary by doing that. In addition, he's making some money through marketing deals with the Saudis, with you know, their, their tourism and, and doing some other services for them. So we have him at $90 million off the field over the last 12 months which is, you know, a sort of astounding number. Only three athletes in the history of our, our tracking have ever beaten that number in a year. Big names, you know, Roger Federer, Tiger Woods, and the one other who's, who's beaten that 90 million is Conor McGregor. And that was basically just because he sold his whiskey brand. It's, it's a really exclusive list. And he certainly found sort of a new, a new recipe to, to make money by, by moving over there. And he's not the only athlete to benefit from the largesse of Saudi Arabia. How has investment from nations like Saudi and Qatar skewed the list this year? There's a, a ton of Middle Eastern money that, that's pouring into the sports world right now. Um, I think we particularly see it in golf with the, the Saudi-backed Live Golf Tour and in soccer, um, where the Qataris own Paris Saint-Germain and Qatar and Bahrain and, and some of the other Middle Eastern nations are getting involved with some other European soccer clubs as well. That's really pushing up playing salaries in soccer. And specifically for this list, what we're really seeing is those live golfers were able to command huge guarantees from the Saudis to, to jump over from the PGA Tour. Phil Mickelson, you know, we're estimating that he got a guarantee of about $200 million. You need spin on a shot like this. He's not going to get that much. Here's Phil. He is Phil. He is. He's Phil. Dustin Johnson, $125 million. Our, our reporting suggests that those top-tier golfers were able to get about half of those guarantees up front. You know, Dustin Johnson, who wasn't even in the top 50 paid athletes last year for our list, is, you know, all the way up in the in the top 10 this year. They've just skyrocketed with this, this live money. There are no Australians on the list, and some would be surprised that Cam Smith has not made the top 10 despite fellow live golfers like you touch on, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, being in that top 10. Is he the best-paid Australian in sport despite not making that real upper echelon? We will be releasing our, our full top 50 list uh, later this month, so stay tuned for that. I don't want to spoil the list and give out our number on Cam Smith, but I do think it's safe to say that he is the, the highest-paid Australian with that um, live golf bonus. Cameron Smith. Yeah. I 
think you'll definitely see his name relatively high up on the, on the top 50 in a couple of weeks. But yeah, he's, uh, he's benefiting just like the other live guys. And, and he's one of them who definitely got a huge bonus and, you know, roughly half of that paid up front as best as we can tell. Is it fair to say that he didn't earn as much as DJ and Phil Mickelson? The reports in Australia were suggesting it was in the vicinity of $100, $150 million, but obviously that doesn't necessarily marry up with what we're seeing on the Forbes list. Yeah, so our reporting suggests that his live bonus was similar to the one that Dustin Johnson received. The difference is that Dustin Johnson had a monster year on the live tour last year, um, won their individual championship, which carried an additional $18 million payment on top of all his guaranteed payments and, you know, had uh, plenty of individual and team prize money along the way. Dustin Johnson, up he goes! Victory for Dustin Johnson! In terms of strictly the live bonus, he's right up there with with DJ. But in terms of total earnings, uh, you know, a few more wins and maybe maybe he'll get there. But uh, for now, he's he's maybe a, a tier behind. The other thing that stands out in the top 10 is the lack of female representation. Why do you think we're not seeing any women in that top tier of payments in the world of sport? So we've been doing this list for 33 years, and there's only been one time that a woman has cracked the top 10, and that was in 1992. It was uh, Monica Seles. And, and that was when you could make the top 10. Uh, she, she had eight and a half million. So the numbers have really, really soared since then. It is a much tougher group to crack. When we release that full list of 50, I think you will see a woman on there. But, uh, you know, I think it's worth noting that as recently as 2019, from, from 2017 to 2019, there were no female athletes in the top 50 at all. So it, it, it hasn't been uncommon to, to not see women ranking among the highest paid athletes but I think there is definitely some some positive momentum there. You know, I'm not going to go as far as to say that that we'll see a woman in the top ten in the next couple of years, particularly like as these numbers continue to to skyrocket. But you know, beyond Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka, who have you know been making tens of millions for the last several years, you now see several other female athletes who are who are getting into the eight figures. Eileen Gu, the the Chinese free skier. The super main favorites to take the, another goal today, Eileen Gu. Uh, Emma Raducanu, even Iga Svantec. When I did the numbers for our 2022 list of the world's highest paid female athletes, we had eight women over $10 million. That, that's the only time that's ever happened. This is really like a, a, a positive momentum. This is like really a good time for female athletes. I think brands are like finally starting to wake up to the, the marketing opportunities with these female athletes. And the next step will be, you know, really getting their playing salaries and their prize money in line with their male counterparts, because right now their leagues just don't have the revenue to pay, pay the way they do on the men's side. Just finally, you've written, it's a record year for athletes in terms of pay, and it feels as though earnings are always rising. But is it sustainable? Can they continue to defy gravity and just rise and rise and rise seemingly forever? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is crazy, right? So, you know, if you look at, say, number nine on our list, Roger Federer, just a couple of years ago, he would have been number one on the list. These numbers are, are getting higher and higher every year. And that really is, is a function both of the sort of off-field opportunities uh, through sponsorships, which continue to grow, and ways that athletes uh, continue to find new ways to profit off the field with, you know, launching their own businesses. And it's also, you know, th- their leagues just continue to make more and more money. And, and so the, the salaries continue to, to push up. You know, whether that will continue to rise at, at the way that it has uh, is, is sort of an open question. There was recently uh, a report by 
some JP Morgan analysts who are speculating that sports media rights fees can't continue to to go up indefinitely the way that, that the expectation has become. And so if that ever leveled off, we would expect to see the salaries level off as well. But at least in the near term, leagues are, are able to monetize in more ways than ever before. And as long as uh, those leagues keep making money the way that they have, and there's no sign that that's going to stop anytime soon, then I think we'll continue to see these, these salaries keep pushing up every year. Brett Knight, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great talking. Just a note before we get to headlines, there's been reports today out of the United Kingdom that the Saudi government is preparing a U.S. $400 million deal to bring Lionel Messi to its league from June this year until the conclusion of the Northern Summer in 2025. So that list that we've talked about today could be impacted even more by that Saudi cash in 2024. Headlines, And I reckon this bloke might be on that big rich list one day. He's 22, he's Norwegian, he has a mane of hair befitting a Viking. And now Erling Haaland has the record for most goals in a Premier League season. The Manchester City striker notched his 35th goal of the season as he edged past 90s legends Alan Shearer and Andy Cole to sit alone at the top of the pile. breaking records in what is now the most prolific season in Premier League history. Quite wild when you consider his side still has five games to play. The NRL has banned a teenage fan from attending games after an investigation into his racial vilification of Latrell Mitchell in round two earlier this season. It's not the life ban some called for. He can return to the footy if if he shows that he's taken steps to address his behaviour. Think apologising, training and education programs, that sort of gear. And Aussie rules great Austin Robertson Jr. believes he's suffering from CTE. The 80-year-old says he will donate his brain to science. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Ronaldo's Instagram, the Labor Cup, Live Golf, the FIS, Optus Sport and Showtime for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.